not so long ago in the distant land of McHenry County, three nerds had a podcast. Three nerds had a podcast? Really? Is it good? How old are you now, Alex? Like 28? I'm not playing your little games. So you've been out of college for like a year and... 25. I'm 25. We have a podcast? Not bad. Not bad. Like, are we going to do it yet? You've done many things. Movies. TV. Movies about TV. Some streaming services, too. But I don't know what you mean. I'm lost. What are we going to do? Oh, come on. You know what we're going to talk about. So what's the podcast name? Well, you see. Hey, guys. Alex here from Bastard Geek, and I'm joined, as always, with Bobby and Walter. Say hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, everybody. And, uh, boys, this is probably a very special episode for us today. Uh, you know, we're going to the bike shop. We're, uh, you know, getting offered drugs. It's just a very special episode territory all around for us today. One of us has to. But anyway, um, we are tackling probably one of my favorite films of all time. Definitely one of my favorite comic book films of all time. But I just got to say, like, this is a monumental film for me. And I know for Bobby, too, you've seen this a lot as well. Walter, you're in the one-time club, but I know that our uh, our typical format is one person hasn't seen the movies, but we had to do this movie. One, because its 10th anniversary is coming around. Which I still can't believe it's been 10 years. 10 years next week, or 10 years today to those listening. But, um, yep, 10 years, and... Uh, you know, it's our namesake, too. We got our name from this movie. But uh, it's about time we covered Fat Al. Uh, uh, I... <laughs> Wait, that's not right. Nope, nope. Uh, today we're covering Scott Pilgrim versus the world. So, boys, uh, before I start gushing all over this film, tell me what do you guys think about this film before we started recording. Well, I mean, Once Upon a Time, the first time I ever saw it, it was still in theaters, and it was with a guy who was, like, technically one of my bullies. But, uh, yeah, it was a good movie. I... We gotta find you better dates, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually saw it in the theater inside uh, Mall of America. Really? Yeah. Damn, I've been wanting to go to Minneapolis for years. Yeah. Uh, Mall of America is great, but yeah, I was on vacation there visiting a buddy of mine, mm-hmm. who I've unfortunately lost contact with over the years. But yeah, a couple of us went, or a few of us went, and uh, we saw this movie, and it was freaking great. Yeah, things really changed when your buddy made it to the cover of the National Enquirer, huh? <laughs> Just fame got to his head. But uh, I saw this in uh, one of the lower uh, tier theaters in the area, but I was so hyped to see this. No, no, define lower tier. Classic Cinemas Fox Lake. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I also saw uh, Thor 
there in 3D. Oh god, what have I what have I seen in that theater? Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I saw Infinity War, but like my second time in Infinity Infinity War, I went to AMC for Infinity War. I've seen most of the MCU movies there. Um, the first two MCU movies I saw, I saw actually at the outdoor theater. You know what? I saw Iron Man at that theater and Speed Racer same night. Also, um, Incredible Hulk. And uh, I've told you guys about Incredible Hulk, how I missed the ending of it. So I wouldn't catch the beginning. Uh, so I wouldn't miss the beginning of the love guru. <laughs> um, but I don't remember what was with Hulk. But if I were at the outdoor. Yeah. Kung Fu Panda. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, but with Iron Man, it was freaking 10,000 BC. I fell asleep in the back of my friend's car for that movie. movie. Oh my God. Terrible. One of my best friends now, um, well, always, but one of my best friends, um, me, him and his dad went to go see that movie in theaters. Oh, I'm surprised we sat through it. Oh my God. God. Oh God, that movie sucks. Wait, did so we see much. that or did we see National Treasure? I think we saw both, just yeah. different times. But uh, he'll probably tell me. But anyway, um, enough about classic cinemas. <laughs> uh, yeah, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. This movie just touched me in a way that no other movie has touched me before or since. Honestly, this movie is amazing to me, and I adore it so much. A lot of my personality now is derived from, oh, God. Bobby just showed me uh, showed me something a little interesting on his phone. A little about, um, I want to call it like a four-incher, just on his phone right now. Just beautiful, you know, beautiful presentation. Uh, beautiful sculpt, I must say. You know, you can definitely tell. Get a little bit of European in you. He's talking about a Funko Pop. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah. Uh, well, Wallace Wells. My favorite character in this movie. It's uh, Funko's uh, 2020 Summer Convention exclusive. Oh, my God. Somebody get me a link to that. Somebody get me a link to that because I need a Wallace Wells. I have I have uh, Sex Bob-omb Funkos. So I have the pack that came with Kim, Scott, and uh, Stephen Stills. But, uh, yeah, just this movie, it's one of those movies where it's heavily in pop culture, like, um, by which I mean, like, they make a ton of different references to a ton of different things. Like, you hear the Seinfeld riff at one point in the movie. Oh, that was great. It, it was great. Um, and uh, uh, Scott wears an X-Men patch on his uh, arm in his parka. It's just one of those movies where they constantly just reference pop culture stuff. Like his t-shirts are all band t-shirts, a Smashing Pumpkins shirt that has the S and the P. So it's like Scott Pilgrim. But um, then Plumtree. Have you ever listened to Plumtree? Um, I'd have to look them up. Right. But, um, and I mean, Beck did the, uh, not the choreography. He curated the uh, soundtrack he wrote a song. Uh, well, he didn't write a song, but he performed the Ramona song, uh, which is from the books. And the books, oh my God, the books, Scott Pilgrim's, you know, the Sp- uh, Scott Pilgrim series. Um, 
I literally just read them today while I was at work to prepare for this review, but I read them at least like once or twice a year. But yeah, I read the entirety of the series. So we'll definitely bring up a lot from the books because I know you guys haven't read the books very much, if all at all. So if you have any questions, uh, just let me know about that. We can definitely put in some of the stuff from the books because I will tell you that the books, the further along the books go, the further they derive from the, uh, the further they differ from the screenplay. So at the beginning, like I say, it's a carbon copy, just it's the entirety of the first uh, issue of Scott Pilgrim, which is Scott Pilgrim's uh, Precious Little Life. It's the entirety of that completely on film. But as soon as uh, they finish the fight with Gideon and it goes to the Seinfeld rift, it kind of differs in many ways from the source material. But um, other than that, why don't you guys talk a little bit about this movie, how it affected you, uh, what you guys think about it, these these 10 years of it. But, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, to this day, I still simp for Aubrey Plaza. That's fair. That is fair. Aubrey I, Plaza. I will forever simp for Anna Kendrick. She keeps telling you to stop calling her. <laughs> Yeah, stop sliding into her DMs. I have fucking snow lights. I have no idea how we're going to stop you, but you just need to leave her alone, man. She's 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 gonna call some people, you know. But (laughs) one day she'll respond. When when he says some people, he means uh, animal control. There's a yeti in my yard. He's staring at me. But this movie has some well-known names now, but some of them were considered up-and-comers back in the day, or some of them were in their prime. With uh, Michael Sarah, you guys remember when Michael Sarah was such a big shit? Oh yeah, um, super bad. Um, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Uh, what was the one that just was so bad that like he couldn't come back after that? Youth and Revolt wasn't that like the last one of his Michael Sarah films? Uh, I mean, really, I can't think of anything. Michael Sarah related aside from Arrested Development and we literally just named uh, one of my favorite Michael Sarah performances uh-huh. was when he played an exaggerated version of himself in this, in is, this the is the end I hear that was really funny <laughs> oh my god like I don't want to give it away because if we ever like do it for the show or anything, I don't think we're gonna do it. Doesn't he get like a pole up his ass or something? Yes, he gets impaled and then he just like goes on a rant about being impaled. Speaking of uh, movies featuring Michael Sarah, mm-hmm. he was in a Sausage Party. Yeah, he was. He was the little uh, nubbin sausage. I still haven't seen Sausage Party. Don't you don't have to. We we for have whatever to. reason. We're doing it for the show for one day. For whatever reason. Let me tell you. Jason, answer our Skype calls. We need you back for this show. Let me tell you, like, uh, I want to say it was sometime last week in the break room at work. For whatever reason, it was on TV. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That uh, There's a TV cut of Sausage Party? Uh, I think no. somebody was streaming it. Like, okay. like uh, we've had uh, Hell's Kitchen Uncensored playing on the break room TV. Because of you? No, no, not me. Not me, surprisingly. Okay. Um, I don't know. One of our associates put on KBS America. That as was a, a joke. Trip. What's KBS America? Hurry and Broadcasting System. Oh, no. 
Because it's it's like a Roku TV, so I think. Uh, oh, okay. So you can cast onto it. Yeah. Um. Hmm. But That's anyway, valuable information for anyway, later. Alex, let's make a deal here on the podcast. What? We can do sausage party for the podcast. Uh-huh. Only if we can also do this is the end. I don't think we should have this conversation during the show because this will be another situation where we say we're going to do something and we never do it because Fat Albert still needs to be made. We still got to do that Fat Albert movie, guys. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, so... Why don't we get into it? So, like I said earlier, the beginning of the movie is just taken from the page of Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life which is the first chapter. And um, I mean, that makes sense because the film rights to the, the rights to the film were bought almost immediately after the release and subsequent success of uh, Scott Pilgrim's precious little life in 2004. And it took six years to make it. Well, like I said, the issues didn't, uh, the remaining chapters didn't come out to like, uh, they finished in 2010. That's right. That's so right. that was just the first one that came out in 2004, but the rights to the Scott Pilgrim movie. And that's part of the reason why this is one of the most accurate comic book movie adaptions, adaptations um, out there because um, the screenplay was kind of written in tandem with the books. And Brian Lee O'Malley was, I believe, an executive producer in this film or at least a producer or a consultant or something, because a lot of his image did uh, stay very, I would say almost religiously um, to what he wrote down for this, uh, for this series. But uh, sp- speaking of behind the scenes, um, we have uh, Edgar Wright directing this film. Now, Walter, you're not familiar with the work of Edgar Wright. We've told you, We've said, you know, the magic words, the Cornetto trilogy, time and time again. But you have no idea what we're talking about when I say when we say that. I it's uh, I know it's Shaun of the Dead. Have you uh, seen Shaun of the Dead? I have seen none of those three films. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, which came out around the same time of This Is the End. So those two got kind of confused together, but. Uh, I would definitely say that The World's End is probably the better of the two films. No, he did see an Edgar Wright movie, though. What Edgar Wright movie did he see? Baby Driver. Spacey? I just didn't like Baby Driver. Oh. Like... That's the one I haven't seen. Like, I get, like, it's so much critical praise. The soundtrack's amazing. Yeah. Like, the soundtrack is legitimately incredible. Mm -hmm. Um... A lot of the shots are really well done. A lot of the the chase scenes are really well done. Well, did you like this film? This film? Yeah. I love this film. Um, then that means you might really like the Cornetto trilogy, because I do know that a lot of the editing style, a lot of the choice in soundtrack and everything yeah. is very similar to those Cornetto films. Yeah. Which... But... but. No, I was talking about Baby Driver. Right, yeah. But, yeah, I just thought the story to Baby Driver and a lot of the – especially a lot of the stuff towards the end was just so stupid and corny. Yeah. And I just did not enjoy it. I don't know. That's the Edgar Wright film that I have not seen. 
But um, it also could have been that I was really campaigning for this group of friends of ours to go and see Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man? Homecoming. Oh, Homecoming. Yeah. 2017. And they were like, no. And I was like, well, we can okay. always just see it later. I saw it twice in theaters. No, I know. I saw it three times. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just whip it out, Walter. Why not? But yeah. I just didn't care for Baby Driver. All right. Bobby, while he's uh, pulling out his three-inch, I want you to go grab the giant Andrew Garfield Spider-Man so I can insert my dominance. <laughs> you know I spooned with that. Yeah, no, I know, you, I know you spooned with it. Never question my Spider-Fandom, you bitch. I've never – I would never. Oh, I saw it three times in Jesus. That's how we sounded. What other things have you seen three times in theaters? Nothing. My my record is uh five, four or five for the Force Awakens. It's okay. Two in the same night. At least we only saw Solo twice. Um, Two in the same night. I I jumped into a six o'clock, no seven o'clock IMAX screening of the Force Awakens, and then I immediately hopped into a nine thirty screening at the same theater. I saw it twice the same night. I love. Twice in the same night, enough? No. <laughs> but, uh... No, because... No, I didn't see it opening weekend because I was unable to freaking get a ticket. Mm-hmm. So, uh... Yeah, I did say this uh, while we were watching the movie, but Michael Sarah, I don't know how I feel about his casting as Scott Pilgrim. I think he was probably the best choice at the time. Perhaps. I, I just, I might be spoiled because there's a ton of other, I, uh, a ton of other people I would choose now. Like uh, Jay Baruchel. He probably would have been a pretty good uh, Scott Pilgrim. Um, Jay Baruchel or Nick Robinson. Um, another young actor. I don't know how old Jay Baruchel is. He might have been good at the time. Why don't you guys stall a little bit and talk about uh, Michael Sarah? So Michael Sarah, he was uh at this point in time he was on a on a pretty good roll of films. He had uh we kind of just named all those films earlier, by the way. We're we're going back to Michael Sarah, but still. Right, like the first time I remember being aware of him was like with the hype from Juno and from uh. Uh, wow, we literally mentioned the movie, the one with uh, McLovin. Super bad. Super bad. Super bad. Yeah. Yeah. Those two films, I, re- I remember the hype room was so huge after those. Now, what about the movie uh, Year One, starring Jack Black and Michael Sarah? Oh, God. <laughs> Don't talk to me. I remember that movie. <laughs> I think I, I repressed it. So I never saw it. Yeah. Uh, Jay Baruchel was 28 at the time. Of... Jay Baruchel. I know the name. He's in This is the End as Jay Baruchel. But uh, he's also in the How you Train How to Train Your Dragon movies. But those are cartoons. So, I love those movies. Yeah. Uh, if you remember Letterkenny, he was Hard Right Jay. Yeah, no, oh, that guy. Wrong. Yeah. This is a great episode, by the way. 
Yeah, Jay Baruchel probably would have been a good pick for uh, Scott Pilgrim. He could have been. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. There, there's a lot of actors these days I could pick for a good Scott Pilgrim. But I just feel like Michael Sarah doesn't really have the look that Scott does. It might be just, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like, his hair is just too curly, I guess. I don't want to say Jufro, but I'm kind of saying Jufro <laughs> a little bit. I mean, let, let, me, let me just see how accurate that statement is, though. Um, um, um. Yeah, I got nothing. Huh. And also in yeah, the book. Yeah, probably not Jufro. Yeah. And also in the books, I'm going to say the term in, I have said in the books so many times, like even before recording started to you guys, but in the books, uh, Scott doesn't have that. Michael Sarah has kind of a, he has kind of, how do you describe it? It's just a neuroticism to him. He's like, almost like a young Woody Allen. You know what I mean? He's got the quirky charm. He's, he has that quirky charm, but the thing is that that's not what Scott has. Scott is definitely a slacker, kind of, you know, just going with the motions kind of guy. Like, even, I would say, like, this would be just off the top of my head casting, and it probably wouldn't be as good as Michael Sarah, but uh, Tom Holland. Oh. Tom Holland. Uh, I mean, I see it. Yeah, he would have been an okay Scott Pilgrim. But he would have been super young at the time. I mean, if they were well, I'm saying it, if they did it right. now. Which I actually have an idea for a Scott Pilgrim reboot, which I would like to share at the end of the episode. Okay. Right, there's apparently, as of uh, an article I saw from Reddit, as of uh, 40 days ago, mm-hmm. I guess uh, there are talks for a Scott Pilgrim animated series. So, Are you sure you didn't... Uh, was it on the Scott Pilgrim subreddit? Hold on, that might be my Reddit post that I posted years ago. It was 40 days. Oh, okay. I was going <laughs> to say... 40 days ago. Because uh, on, on the Scott Pilgrim subreddit, if you look up my username, A-R-O-A-D, you can pull up my uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the miniseries, which is my concept for a Netflix series, which we can talk about at the end of the episode. Oh, God. You, got, you don't want to see my Reddit history, boys. But, uh, so I feel like Scott Pilgrim, uh, in the movie Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, uh, Michael Sarah is definitely the most miscast, but I feel like everybody else is just kind of perfect in the roles. There might be one or two, like, um, Brendan Routh, I don't think he would, he made a really good Todd Ingram, but... That whole scene, that whole just, it is kind of like a scene, but that whole part with Envy and Todd, uh, which is supposed to be book number three, Scott Pilgrim written The Infinite Sadness, is, um, I don't know. Because Scott Pilgrim and The Infinite Sadness is the, I believe it's the highest received, critically praised book in the series. And it's definitely my favorite book in the series. Just, uh... I don't know. It's it, it's a really nice character piece between all these characters. You definitely get the most backstory for Scott and uh, Envy in that book, 
and Envy does kind of get redeemed. That's my biggest thing that um, my biggest irk with this movie is that most of the characters that I wanted to appear didn't appear in this movie. And uh, most of the characters that did appear in this movie kind of had nothing to do if they weren't Scott or Ramona. Right. That's, that's a really good point. A lot of them did seem like, unless they were with Scott or Ramona, they didn't really have any sort of character motivation. I, the, the, the other members of the Sex Bombs really only appeared outside of the muse, the concert parts, to further character building for Scott. Right. And I mean, like, um, I mean, they, they have their separate, like, not chapters, but there are separate scenes where we don't see Scott or Ramona. Like, uh, Ramona doesn't even appear until halfway through Scott Pilgrim's Finest Hour, which is the sixth book in the series, which is basically the whole chaos theater um, part in the movie. But uh, definitely Wallace. I did say this before, but Wallace Wells, uh, in the books, he is more of kind of like Scott's coach. As in, he helps him with training, he helps him research the different evil exes that he's going to fight, and he's definitely there more for moral support, whereas in this movie, you know, Kieran Culkin, he does an amazing job as Wallace Wells. I mean, probably better than anybody. Oh, he's also a Culkin. He is a Culkin. Uh, we said one of the younger Culkins, right? Younger than Macaulay? Or older than Macaulay? Younger. Yeah, younger. Younger than Macaulay? All right. But, um, yeah, in this movie, he's kind of a, he's kind of a real dick, but I mean, he, his lines are basically all in the book too, but the thing is that he has so many more just supportive and helpful lines, it kind of balances out in the book, whereas they don't really give him that ability, that capacity uh, to geek in there. <laughs> In the movies, because um, they don't really give him that much to do. But another character that gets robbed is the character of Envy Adams. We definitely see a lot more of her, especially in Scott Pilgrim, uh, or Scott Pilgrim and the Infinite Sadness. Uh, we get her backstory, how she was a very quiet, reserved college uh, student with uh, Scott. And they end up falling for each other, starting a band... And she ends up getting picked up and noticed uh, by major labels. And she kind of abandons Scott there and causes a big breakup between the two. But even in Infinite Sadness, she comes around near the end. And uh, she definitely redeems herself, helps them fight Todd. Because there is a turning point with that relationship too. But uh, yeah, I definitely wish that... Uh, Envy was more more fleshed out. And also just some very uh, very small characters that didn't end up making the cut that I still wanted to see. Um, one of the point is... Uh, and we didn't talk about how many copies of this movie I have yet, did we? 
for the show. Not for the show. Not for the show. Well, I'll tell you, um, I have six physical copies of this movie. I have two different combo packs. Both of them are steelbooks. So that's four. Not not six digits. Uh, just six overall. So, you know, four copies, digital, um, and a digital copy. So... What am I saying? Oh, and a Blu-ray copy. So I do have, how many do I have? Five? Five physical and then one digital. So I have six copies overall. And um, my birthday last year, Bobby and I had the, um, we had a nice dinner with my family and we ended up uh, going to a mall to the FYE, which is a video store. used to be Sam Goody, but a... uh, we went there so we could get the FYE exclusive Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley uh, comic cover, which had just this really nice picture of most of the comic book cast at the time. I believe that cover was released, that piece of artwork was released around part four. So it doesn't have um, the Kerinagi twins or Gideon present, but uh, it has most of the main cast. And uh, one of my favorite characters in uh, in the comics, uh, Joseph, which ends, uh, who is a roommate of Kim Pine, who ends up uh, being in a relationship with the character that we did see in this movie, uh, Stephen Stills. Uh, it's hinted at in part five, and then revealed at the end of part, at the end of the uh, part six. But uh, Stephen. Um, finds out that he's gay while working on recording an album for sex of bomb with Joseph and they end up an item at the end, which is a really nice scene. And, uh, yeah. So Joseph's not in this movie and I wish he was, it's basically the short and curlies of it. That took a mouthful. Why don't you guys talk for a bit? (laughs) Um, I got, I got nothing. Like, literally right now, I'm just trying to find other Blu-ray variations. So Bobby. You your collection. I'm Bob. Good. Bobby, come on. I'm good. Just talk about this movie. Oh, geez. We're getting really well. I just talked about how there were characters that didn't appear in the movie. That should have appeared because they were in the book. Well, well, that's fair. One of my favorite parts of this movie, and it was... Like, throughout the film, the fight scenes are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I forgot who went on record to say it. I think it was Edgar Wright, but he wanted to stylize this um, like a musical. He, in fact, coined the term fightsicle. <laughs> so, uh, instead of when there is a music, it's supposed to be a musical number, there's a fight scene. So, a fightsicle. Yeah, and... I just thought the, the choreographing and everything on the fight scenes was so well done. There, there was a lot of unique parts, like uh, the part uh, where the guy's grinding down the the rail oh, and ends up like, going so fast that he explodes. That's completely comic accurate. That's so funny. Yeah. Which, uh, that is the second book in the series, which is Scott Pilgrim 
versus the world, which is what this uh which is what this movie is named after, the second book in the series. Huh. I believe it is Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, Scott Pilgrim and the versus and the Infinite Sadness, uh, Scott Pilgrim gets it together, Scott Pilgrim versus the Universe, and then Scott Pilgrim's Finest Hour. And there's also a free comic book day um, issue of Scott Pilgrim, which isn't shown in the movie at all, but one of the fight scenes, which we'll talk about it, uh, one of the fight scenes is definitely inspired from that. Huh. But why don't we, I, I guess the best way to go off this movie is to talk about the different scenes with the different evil exes. So why don't we do that? Um, the Matthew Patel scene you know, first evil X, kind of a musical Bollywood number. Uh, definitely, um, just there's definitely a little bit of variation from how it was in the book, which I mean, with all adaptations of a book, give or take, but it's essentially the same thing word for word. It's just that some characters are helping out Scott in the book, some, and it's just Scott in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I liked that scene. Uh, it was fun. It was a good introduction to the whole concept of the evil exes. As much as Scott didn't get it. <laughs> as much as he didn't get it, like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's why you don't skim an email. Exactly. Honestly. But, um, I don't know, this, and between, uh, like I said, the between, after this fight and the next morning is Scott Pilgrim versus the animation, which, uh, like I said, is the opening to book two. Right. Uh, what did you guys think of that little number? Do you think they should have made it a live action scene or do you think that's um, probably the... Yeah, I think they should have. I think it was... It's important to character building. It's important to showing the background of why there's the tension within the band, why uh, just how they got to where they were. And it kind of makes Scott's arc even that much more uh, redeeming. Me personally, I think it was fine just as an animated short. Mm -hmm. Like, Produced by Titmouse Animation. It would have been weird to put it in to the. It would have been weird to put it into the movie as a live action thing, especially where it takes place canonically, as far as the comics go. Yeah. Like, yeah, it could have been something to like put toward the beginning of the movie, sure, but at the same time, we were already like forty minutes into the movie. When, right. Yeah. I've been talking so much, I needed to open a bubbly. <laughs> oh, man. Should uh, bring it closer to the mic. Give us that ASMR. I'm good. No ASMR this week, folks. But, um... Walter, you already said you like the fight with Lucas Lee. Yeah. Uh, from what I recall, because... Folks, I read six books in a matter of ten hours. So... 
it wasn't it wasn't really easy for me. <laughs> but <laughs> from what I gather, um, I believe Lucas Lee is dispatched halfway through book two, and the rest is just more character building. And uh, but book three, the infinite sadness, the whole Todd and envy stuff. Like I said, that is the most critically praised part of the series. It's just, it's my favorite book too. It's just very emotional and it just gives you a lot of service between these characters. What did you think about Brendan Routh, Superman as a, uh... uh, I mean, it's Brandon Routh. But I did enjoy his character. He was a dick. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't actually understand what veganism is. <laughs> I do like that. that, that scene. Chicken isn't vegan. Yeah, chicken parmesan isn't vegan. <laughs> Gelato isn't vegan. Milk and eggs, bitch. This movie is just infinitely, infinitely quotable. I mean, honestly, if we if we ended up doing extra bits, which we never do anymore, 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 yes, I feel like we could just fill 10 minutes of us just quoting this movie. Like, Walter even called it, where I was just reading lines from this movie as they were about to pop up. I've just, I've seen it so much. But, um, like I said, one of my favorite ones is... Uh, this is, this is, this is, this is boring. Delete. Oh, that was great. I, oh my God. But um, yeah, infinitely quotable, this movie. It's just, uh, Walter, you did have some problems with some of the quotes they said. Um, are we talking about the ones specifically geared towards knives? Yeah. Why don't we talk about knives for a little bit? Um, you were really racist towards her. Uh, to be fair. To be fair. Waiting on this. Those are lines exactly from the book. Like, still? No, well, still. Knives says, uh, do you want to come over to dinner uh, meet my parents and he's like you mean like Chinese food and then she's like well yeah you know and then the thing about uh, I don't think he says like uh, I, I don't know if you're allowed to date outside of your race but in book four we're introduced the knives his dad and he hunts down Scott for being white like he attempts to hunt down Scott because he knows that because uh, his daughter is dating a white boy, and then at the end he like walks by. This is after Knives and Scott are broken up, but so he had more of a problem with the fact that Scott was white yeah. than the fact that his seventeen-year-old daughter was dating a twenty-three-year-old. Yeah, well, I don't think he knew that, but. Knives does say that uh, he's uh, his dad is nine years or her dad is nine years older than his mom. So I mean it's not uncommon. I mean, not to get too personal, my dad was uh, my mom was sixteen, my dad was twenty two. So it's not the best thing, but it happens. You know. After a certain point of time, it's not that. Creepy. No. 
You guys want to go it's to a pop? It's fucking weird, but it's not that creepy. Speaking of which, you guys want to go to a, to a pop punk concert? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 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 You okay, Bob? I think we. I think we just personally offended Bobby. Yes. It's okay, okay. Bobby. We. My fandom is problematic. Hey. Our, kind of, fandom? our fandom is problematic. Jesus. <laughs> Listen to me, you fucking wooks. If I catch you being 25 trying to get with a 16-year-old, I will fucking come over there and have to come talk to you. All right? Let's just put it that way, bucko. We here at Capacity as a Geek do not condone anything that would incriminate us. Not even a little. Ew. Support your local scene. Just make sure that the tour bus driver isn't, like, you know, trying to get with a 16-year-old. Oh, yeah, no. Nobody likes that. But, like we said, the age of consent in Ontario is 16 years old. Knives was 17. Um, It's a lot creepier in the book. It's also a lot creepier in the past. Yeah. As I brought up. Age of Uh, consent in 18... What, 1804, right? Right, was 1890. 1890 was moved from... What, 12 to 14. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, there's a scene in the book, it's not in the movie, where uh, Scott and Wallace are walking over to Knives' school to pick her up, which is in the which is in the movie, but they don't say this line of dialogue, where Scott is like, just think of it like train spotting. <laughs> what? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and then Wallace is like... Don't didn't you know that he was like super paranoid the entire time? And he's like, I don't think I actually saw that movie closely. <laughs> but yeah, um, I actually haven't seen that movie. But you're aware of it, right? Yeah. One thing I can give this movie is that it's a lot better to like Scott in this movie than it is to like him in the comics sometimes, because he's just not a very bright guy. I mean, he means well. But he's not a bright guy, and I guess one way you can kind of look at it is that he doesn't really do anything with knives. He's more in it for companionship, and you can definitely tell, with her at least, that he's in it for companionship. He he does say, which might not sound really good, but he, he does say that uh, it's just easy. Easy as in it's like it's not very difficult to date her. It's just whatever. You talk about boys. You talk about a drama at high school after he's a college graduate. Okay. All right. All right. Let's talk oh. about like let, let's talk about Kim. Uh, Kim's a really good character. I really like her character. Uh, one of my favorite things is, like, just nearly every line of dialogue in this movie is at least a callback or just a direct line or scene from the books. It's like, there's this thing that Kim does in the background where she just pantomimes shooting herself with her fingers. Yeah. They do that in part four, or part five. Like, just shot for shot, they do that scene. And that's just something that they incorporated from the books. And then um, 
that uh that one where he realizes that Ramona had a relationship with Roxy Richer. Um instead of the gauge that says doesn't get it or and gets it, it's a baby chick hatching in his in his brain. <laughs> uh Scott's not that smart of a guy, but um yeah, basically I don't know how to describe it, but just this might be one of the most faithful adaptions adaptations to a comic book there is. Yeah. Like I mean, there have been other superhero movies that have been pretty faithful to origin stories and certain uh runs of comics. Right. I'd like to think, at least with the first Raimi film, it was pretty dead on about like the origins and everything. Besides the organic webbing. Yes, besides that. But what I'm saying is that I'm not I'm not just saying it's like accurate, but it's like brought from page to screen because oh, it is yeah. just direct dialogue from these uh from these issues, from these books, just brought into the three dimensional space. Yeah. Which in other movies' defenses, that's kind of hard to do. Yeah. Because you'll have decades and decades worth of material to work with. It definitely works better with uh, the graphic novel. Yes. Which, you know, there is a difference between comic books and graphic novels. Comic books can be collected into graphic novels, but um, true graphic novels like Scott Pilgrim or Kick-Ass is another example around this time. Didn't Kick-Ass come out 2010 as well? Um, I believe so. Or 2009, something like that. It, yeah. I mean, I, Kick-Ass 2 came out, like, what, 2012? 2013, I think. <clears throat> 2010, Kick-Ass came out. Kick-Ass came out, uh, what, what time of the year? Uh, April. April, so this is, yeah, Kick-Ass was April, and then Scott Pilgrim was August. That, I gotta say, the 2010s was a really good year, for, uh, was a really good decade for, uh, independent comic book movies like Scott Pilgrim, the kick-ass movies, the Kingsman movies. I, I saw the first one. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I still haven't seen the second. Uh, golden circle is pretty. All right. It's not, it's definitely not the first one. Yeah. Um, Watchmen just misses out on, uh, 2009. That's another one that's somewhat accurate to the source material, but, like, I've seen the size of the Watchmen graphic novel. You can't really put that into one Yeah, I, I, I've read it. It's... Are we going to talk about the Green Hornet? We're not going to talk about the Green Hornet. What okay. was that, 2010? 2011. Uh, okay, no, we're not. That's DC. That's not independent. That's not independent either. Watchmen. Oh, right. Watchmen it's is DC. DC. But, what I, uh, but independent graphic novels definitely had their time of day in uh, the 2010s. And if you want to count 2020, uh, we had Bloodshot. Bloodshot. Uh, it wasn't very... Stop me when you, want to, when you want me to stop. Vin Diesel. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, what other independent comic book movies came out? Or graphic... Uh, you know what I mean. In, independent published comics had movies in the 2010s. Hellboy was pretty independent, wasn't it? 
what is that? That's uh, Dark Horse. Dark Horse. Yeah, I'd call that. We had the remake of Hellboy. We did have the remake of Hellboy. <laughs> that was kind of the end of it. Uh, Jonah Hex anyone? That's DC. And we're stopping. Right yeah, yeah, we're not talking about Jonah Hex. <sighs> Jonah Hex just had sex. Megan Fox. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't bring this up. Come on. Machine Gun Kelly. Yes. The same guy who's making really bad pop punk music. Okay. Fuck you. Okay. Uh, hey, boys. 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 Um. Anyway, uh, upcoming superhero films. Anybody want to talk about that? Sure, let's uh, talk about it a little bit. Because uh, I was about to say, uh, the 2020s isn't looking that great for uh, comic book films. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, the MCU looks pretty good. Well, well yeah. But uh, we're going to get a Django... A Django Zorro film. Is that still happening? Um, apparently for uh, Dynamite Entertainment, who's also doing Red Sonja and Painkiller Jane. Ooh. Um, we're getting Green Hornet and Kato. Is Seth Rogen coming back? Uh, oh. no, it's a reboot. Okay. Um. You okay, Bobby? You're straining. Oh no. So, so, um. I'm really hoping that's animated. I don't think it's gonna be animated, though. Um. Alex! Alex, 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 you're more hip with the times, and you got siblings who watch cartoons and whatnot, right? Uh You're aware of, uh, Miraculous. Ladybug? Is that getting a movie? It's getting a movie. To be announced through Lionsgate. That's a little too old for my siblings, but I've heard of Miraculous Ladybug. Oh, and uh, Shadow Man. Shadow Man. Alien. I feel like there's one more independent publish uh, publisher comic book movie that we're not talking about that came out in the 2010s. But uh, speaking of independent publishers, Oni Press um, and Brian Lee O'Malley, I think he – well, I know he did a cover art for the Avengers, for the Young Avengers – once he did a 2013 cover art for it, for the issue number one of Young Avengers. But I know he mostly uh, publishes his graphic novels through Oni Press. Um, he has Lost at Sea, which is before Scott Pilgrim, then the Scott Pilgrim series, and then Seconds, which was also a really great read. If you ever get a chance to read Seconds... I recommend that one too. It has a lot of references to Scott Pilgrim cameos from characters there too. It's easy to do cameos in a comic book, you know, you just draw them. But (laughs) Uh, what did you guys think of Roxy Richer? I think I found the one you're forgetting. What? Dread. That counts, yeah. Was that Dark Horse? I believe... Yeah, Dread was what, 2011, 2012? 2012. 2012. I really enjoyed Dread. Dread, I have I saw Dread. It's okay. You know, it, it's, you know, not my forte, but I can see it being pretty good. But, uh, whew. But, uh, 
I lost my train of thought. What do you guys think of Roxy Richer? The girl. It's terrifying. Terrifying? But her weak point is actually pretty hilarious. Which um, is actually Envy's weak point in the comics. In The Infinite Sadness, uh, her and Ramona get into a fight, and Scott has to explain to her to poke her in the back of the knee. But uh, that's one of the major deviations. That fight is actually supposed to be Ramona and uh, Envy. Yeah. And uh, because the main, uh, the series, the book series, takes place in about a year's time. Whereas this movie definitely is rushed to... Like weeks? Yeah, about a week. You know, but uh, yeah, you definitely get more of those character moments between Scott Ramona and all the other characters. You see their relationship build you see their relationship have their strengths their weaknesses you see it fall you see it get back together and you see that with a lot of different characters you see characters that are very pissed at scott at times and then they're okay or they make up or they hold that resentment towards each other but which is why a lot of people say that this should have been an animated series or been a bit longer because there's definitely a lot more ground you could cover in this series. But you know, one day I'd like to see it. Um, all right, just to round it out. Cause we are almost at the hour mark. What did you guys think of the Katty and Naga twins? Their the, fight? The Katanagi twins, you mean? Katty and Naga. Uh, it's like Katanagi? Katanagi twins. Okay. Well, you knew what I meant. Um, like I remember when I saw, um, when I saw the film in theaters, that was like the one hype moment that stood out. For real, like. Were, were you were you deep weeb at this point? <laughs> I mean, it was it was what twenty ten. Yes. Yeah, it was basically a giant kaiju battle, Bobby. Let's be real. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that that part was really fun. I really enjoyed that part. Uh, I enjoyed all the fight team, like I said. Yeah. Uh, and then Gideon. Gideon's fight. Uh, this is the one that derived... Well, no, because the Katayanagi twins... This doesn't happen in the book. Essentially, uh... Most of the book is spent with them dispatching robots to try and kill Scott. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end, they kidnap him and hold her hostage at a subway station. And uh, Scott just beats them up, which he gets an achievement for uh, defeating them simultaneously, which I believe is an achievement you can get in Scott Pilgrim vs. the Game, versus the World the Game, which we can talk about a little bit. In about five minutes so we can round out the rest of this movie. But, uh, Gideon appears, takes Ramona from Scott. Um, there's a period of moaning of, uh, mourning. There's a period of mourning and, uh, Scott decides to go fight Gideon for Ramona's honor back. He ends up dying. He gets the extra life. And uh, he ends up coming back, trying again, and he fights for himself. 
one of the themes I really like in this movie is kind of the theme of you are your own worst enemy at times. And one of the themes in the book is that if you, if you choose to run and hide from the things you did wrong, essentially the nega version of you, you're just doomed to repeat those mistakes. Oh, of course. So you just need to confront with what you've done, be ready to forgive yourself, but not expect anybody to forgive you, but just be ready to be better. In the next, uh, basically just don't be a dick. Yeah. You know, that's just a, a theme that people should take away every day. Ugh. Don't be a dick. Wear a fucking mask, people. I just knocked over your water. I'm sorry. It's probably fine. <laughs> no, there, there's a cap. Exactly. So it's probably fine. Yeah. Um, so supplemental materials. Um, before we go into that, Collected Works, uh, they released this. Uh, the original print was in black and white as a box set. Lovely box set. I wish it took care of it more. I'm missing some of the editions. A lot of them are ripped out. But I do have a new one, thanks to Tyler, the latest, uh, the collected edition, which is the colored editions in three books, each uh, big book containing two of the issues. And um, But I know they each had hardcover co- colored edition, which is a hardcovered of each version of the book, which is the digital copy that I have on my iPad. But also there was a very popular video game, which I'm sure we all kind of want to get back. I never played it, but I'm very aware of it. Bobby, don't you say you have it on your PS3? Yes. Uh, and we could all play it. Mm-hmm. We would just have to, like, you know, all get PS3 controllers because I only have one functioning one. Why don't we go back to that uh, place in Chicago, sell the... Um, <sighs> sell the xbox get playstation 3 controllers we could do that or uh we could also check ebay check ebay get us some playstation 3 controllers we can play scott pilgrim vs the world a game i need to check ebay for some gamecube controllers but i did hear that ubisoft for what GameCube controllers. 30 bucks right there first party no you were there when i bought it no you could literally too alter like the GameCube controllers that they manufacture for the Switch are literally GameCube controllers. You have to plug them into a GameCube adapter. Oh. 20 bucks, right there. I don't want to take it from you. I'm offering it. I, I, I don't... You know why I had it. Oh. Evil exes, people. But anyway, um, that was mean. He's not going <laughs> to hear this anyway, so fuck it. Stepping away from uh, your uh, he took the... copy of Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, he took my copy of Kingdom Hearts 3. Let's not forget that. Anything you say is justified. I guess. <laughs> but, uh... I, I no, I completely forgot that I that he had it. I just I, I noticed that it was on sale for eighteen bucks on the PlayStation Store. I'm like, 
oh, could I use a copy of, uh, could I, could I do Kingdom Hearts 3? And I'm like, wait, I have Kingdom Hearts 3. Wait, he has Kingdom Hearts 3. He also took my Incredibles GameCube game. It's really fine, though. You didn't actually need that, did you? The Incredibles on GameCube? Yeah. Mm, probably not. I don't know. We'll check the eBay price for it, I guess. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll do that right now, actually. I'm gonna get me a piece of Tony Loaf. But, uh... <laughs> anyway, um... Yeah, so any final thoughts on Scott Pilgrim? Books, comics, games, anything? Um... I've only seen the movie, but it's great. It's fantastic. It's the namesake of this podcast, so for that reason alone, it holds a special place. Yes, it does. And we're happy that it's been here for 10 years, 10 formative years for uh, two of us. But uh, I'm, I, 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 it's 10 formative years for me too. I, well, I, mean, I was I was very different when I was 20, 21. Right, yeah, but we were we were 15 and 17. This the, is fair. Those are formative years. This is fair. <laughs> those weren't formative years for you. Those were mortgage years for you. I'm sad cuz now fuck you. <laughs> we're older now than he was 10 years ago. Bruce the old. Ugh. Like, if you ever find a gray hair growing in your beard, don't pluck it out. Just keep it. We are all technically we are all technically past mid twenty. I know. Uh, you're you have a year. Yeah. Well, I I am in my mid twenties, so. Well, I mean, you're nearly twenty five, so uh, welcome to your quarter life crisis. Oh, I'm your crisis counselor. Have you seen the hot topic shipments that come in? I have two of the same hoodie in different colors. <laughs> Again, welcome to your mid-quarter your your quarter life crisis. I am your crisis counselor, Robert. How can I help you today? Yeah, what vinyls should I get? Um, uh, never mind, and Dookie. Are you just trying to fucking? Uh, are, you? are you just trying to sell the ones you guys got at work so they get new ones? Yeah. Don't worry, I'll find you some indie indie trash so you don't have to listen to Walter. Hey, hey, never mind, and Dookie are too indie trash, Walter. He's reaching his mid-twenties. He needs indie trash. I thought that's what we consider, Walter. Indie trash. No, he's just regular trash. No, he's in the trash. Ah! Ah! Thanks to the geek bitches. So, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you for having us. I'm giving you a thumbs up with my big toe. That's that's beautiful, Bobby. But uh, until next time, until next time, boys, what a perfect asshole.